0: Okay, we uh, continue on with James. Have you uh, noticed that James is a real practical book? It applies to everyday life. Of course, I think all of Scripture does that, but some some books are particularly pointed, and and James definitely is that way. And uh, where we started at in chapter 3, at the very outset, on the first verse, he was talking about teachers. And he says, let there be not many teachers, uh, because they'll have stricter judgment. And so a teacher has to know that he's called by God, and uh, he can teach and preach uh, because of that call and the power of God. And so before he goes into that endeavor, he wants to make sure that that's what that be. Uh, It is to be taken very seriously when one does that. So he progressed with that thought, and uh, then what we talked about last time uh that we met in as far as James is concerned, was about the tongue. Of course, a teacher has to use the tongue, right, so we kind of progressed into that or even regressed maybe uh but it's all uh, under God's spirit and control but um, he's saying the the tongue is very powerful, it's very, very powerful, as small as it is, just think how powerful it is, it has the potential for edifying. And it has a potential for destruction. And James pointed that out. And now he goes into the aspect of wisdom. When you have um, a teacher, and of course this applies to everybody, but a teacher has to use his tongue, and then a teacher or a preacher has to use wisdom to be able to uh, bring forth God's truth. And uh, so it not only takes knowledge to be able to implant truth to God's people, it takes a wisdom to teach it. It's God's wisdom. And that's the idea and the context that James is, is writing here. Uh, of course, it does apply to every one of us. Uh, we know that James has been using a battery of tests, one test after another, to uh, show that if one is true uh, in his belief, that that will verify that uh, he is a Christian, a true Christian. He is one who is obedient. He is one who does good works. He's one has actions, and it backs up his profession of faith. Wisdom is our topic for the day, and that is uh, definitely a picture uh, of a true Christian. He will have wisdom because of uh, who God is and what he gives to his people. Uh, there will always be actions. And when, when you think of Psalm chapter 1, you think of a, a great text that I think everybody's familiar with. He says, uh, Blessed is a man, uh he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates day and night. So wisdom will walk and it will also stand. It will sit. And those are action words, aren't they? As uh, And meditating and that kind of thing. That's, that is actually bringing forth Something that is in you and bringing it out. It, it is like uh, the obedience and the works. Wisdom is the same thing. And so wisdom impacts not only how we think, but how we, not only how we speak and our knowledge that we have, but how we live it. How we live. How we do it in, in our everyday life. The only premium that God really puts on wisdom is the wisdom that transforms a life. Transforms him daily it's a it's a lifestyle so that's what God means when he's talking about wisdom. It's a wisdom that transforms a life and a constant ongoing thing It's an outwork of a a lifetime change of the Word of God that is in us and that's what's going on when we um, are doing god's wisdom. Wisdom doesn't mean knowledge that's what uh, I think the world would think. It doesn't mean some kind of information, but it means the application of that knowledge, with the divine power, with God's very power, taking that knowledge and then it reshapes our lives, it transforms, it changes our lives. Can you imagine there's a transforming um, behavior that happens to us um, because of God's righteousness? So wisdom is not so much what I know, but it's how I live It's how I live. I live on a daily basis. It's an everyday thing. And I think wisdom would be a barometer of where one is at in their walk in the Lord. Wisdom is a barometer. Just like the works, the fruit of a Christian. Just like obedience is a barometer. So James is writing this. James has a real understanding of the Old Testament. I think we'd have to agree with that. And I think he really has a tremendous understanding of the book of Proverbs. Because you will see uh, a lot of seemingly quotes that come from Proverbs here. Those principles that he has. It looks like he just came out of that book. He knew them very well. And he knew that wisdom starts with humility. Because if you read through Proverbs, it talks about humility before a majesty of God. And this humility is uh, something that was um, seen in the person of, let's say, Solomon. Solomon was asked by God of what he wanted the most. Everybody knows he wanted what? Wisdom. Why his choice? Was God pleased with that? Yes, God was pleased. And so we ask then, well, where did Solomon get that answer? Well, from his father. And it says in Proverbs 3 and Proverbs four, of course, Solomon's father is who, David. So you know he he taught him that, and uh, when I uh, you know when I think of uh, the aspect here of wisdom, it starts from day one with the parent with parents training the child, right? Of course, that sounds very much out of the Proverbs, and so uh, he was taught the fear of the Lord. Because we know the text that says the beginning of no, uh, the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. And uh, so that's, that's why when we look in chapters 3 and 4, we see that in Proverbs. And then in chapter 5, immediately, it warns of the adulteress. The adulteress that will come along and tempt that. And a father doesn't want his son to go there. You know what I mean? So he trains him up and he's ready so whenever that thing comes, whatever whatever's going to come. And in this case, you know, it's the adulteress. But uh, you think of Solomon here providing the par excellence of Christian parenting as he wrote Proverbs. And he knew how important that was. It's the goal of the parent that the children would have the fear of the Lord. That is what he champions. And that's to be taught in, in uh, to the young children as they grow up, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord. Remember the wisdom of the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament, it's about the fear of the Lord. And uh, that is how one gets that. It um, starts wisdom. Yeah. And really, the fear of the Lord starts with one bowing their knee before God, realizing that He is the only one who can save you because you're lost in your sins, right? And so the fear of the Lord, recognizing His majesty and how great He is and how holy He is, is where the wisdom starts. When we can get to that point that we're sinners and God is holy, just those two aspects, that's where wisdom begins. And then it starts not only there, it continues. It continues through our life. As we continue to bow more to the Lord, uh, that's a mark of a believer, and we must be thinking right. As we think right, then we act upon that. That's wisdom. How do we get the thinking? By the renewing of the mind, right? Let's uh, go to James chapter three, and we're in verse thirteen. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your wisdom. Because <clears throat> that is what is given to us when we have placed our trust in you. When you have chosen us and brought, brought us into your family, we realize that we desire to act wisely. And it's only in you that we can find wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We have two parts. As we stopped right there at verse 16, I'd originally originally, um, had it for 17 and 18, but I saw that it was way too much that we couldn't cover all that. And so we're just going to do uh, what we call today, our title is Demonic Wisdom. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? But you know what? It's actually biblical. It talks about it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. And that's really where uh, this false wisdom comes from. This demonic wisdom. And then we'll get into true wisdom for the most part next week. we kind of uh, introduce that as we move on through here. James asked a question. Who's who's the wise man here? Who's the wise man? There were people prating around. Claiming to be wise, you know they were they were in the know. I mean they uh, and there were people who were t- teaching and they were proud of it and they were very selfish. They had selfish ambition. And it really wasn't for the glory of the Lord. And uh, so he says, "Hey, all right, as he puts in the epistle here. I throw it out to you. Who's wise here? And he's done that before. Um, he asked a question earlier about. Um, Okay, you believe in God? You have faith? Show me your works. Now he says, show me your wisdom. You show me that. There's two kinds of wisdom. So he sets up a trap here, and then he springs it, as he uh, asks it here in in, uh, verse 13. And, uh, of course, there are people that say, I'm glad you recognize my talents. (laughs) And... um, I'm glad you realize how wise I am. And he says, who here is wise? So he springs this trap. I want you to show me by your good behavior, by your deeds, and your gentleness. He says, okay, if you're you're really wise, I want to see you in those aspects. Show me your wisdom by your life. (laughs) That's what this is like. You you say you have faith, show me your works. You say you're wise, show me your wisdom. And so we get the word here uh, for wise, and it's sophos. Sophia, you might have heard of. uh, Goddess of wisdom. But uh, this sophos uh, translated into... God's wisdom means something different than what the world would say but uh, we'll be looking at how the world thinks wisdom is to be. Uh, Sophos is an application of the knowledge that we have and translating it into personal living. There we go again. Into our lifestyles. It's taking knowledge and then using it in our lifestyle uh, skillfully. And and that's why the next word understanding comes up because it's Kind of uh, applying that skillfully aspect. It's a pistamon, it means highly skilled, a highly skilled technician, a tradesman, uh, someone who is a professional. He's skilled in it, uh, he has absolute understanding in what he does. Well, here he says, okay, if you are really wise, then you're going to show it. And it's going to be by good behavior, deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. You are going to be wise. You're going to have understanding. You're going to be skilled in taking that knowledge. So wisdom is manifesting the power, the Word of God, right? In every aspect of our lives. This department, this department, this department, this department. Applying it in in every room there. So who is wise? (laughs) James asked that. The one who proves it by his general conduct, the one who proves it by uh, how he um, does things, his specific deeds, as he says here, or, or, or the works, which he's mentioned that, and then also uh, gentleness or humility, an attitude of humility. It starts off with good behavior, and right at the end of verse 13, If one is really redeemed, if one is really truly saved, then we know that the Word of God is going to come in his life and he will then take that, whether it be trials and tribulations, and he knows how to look at it. James has already kind of mentioned that anyway. Uh, But when we have those, those trials come in our life, then our conduct, out of our that comes from the hearts is going to be worked outwardly. How do we respond to these things, positive, negative, that, that comes into our lives? We can show it. If you know a person over a period of time, you can see their good behavior, can't you? You can you can test them, and uh, so this is for people to actually see, and that's where you can see that if they're truly wise. Another one is their deeds. It means specific deeds, specific deeds that they do. Not only will it generally be made manifest. And specifically in a given deed, uh, that it's that God's, God's wisdom is going to be seen in what they do in, in their works. And then he says, in the gentleness of wisdom. The gentleness. And here we have uh, a word that would be prates; It means to be meek. It means to be gracious. It means to be tender. So a wise man is not going to show off just to be showing off, but he's one that is gracious. He's the one who is tender. He has an attitude of humility. That's a good word there for gentleness. Humility. An attitude of meekness. Um, fruit of the Spirit. And remember when we studied that in Galatians chapter 5. And one of them uh, of those fruits was gentleness. And that word prates is seen also taught by Jesus as he uh, preached the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And it was one of the first things that he said in this great sermon. He says, here's a mark of a believer. Blessed for the poor in spirit. Blessed for those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle or the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. It seems like always the opposite. Here you have poor in spirit, they'll have the kingdom of heaven. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the gentle, the meek people, they'll inherit the kingdom of God. And so he says these amazing things. This is absolute wisdom, isn't it? It's wisdom coming from heaven. And uh, that would not be the world's wisdom to be meek. That is a mark of weakness. But the the meekness That God is talking about is that strength under control. Power. The power of God, and yet being able to control it. Being under submission to God's Spirit. That is one who is meek. Did you know that Moses was described as the meekest man on earth? Meekest. That's Moses.
1: Mm -hmm. Mighty,
0: powerful Moses who led two million people in the wilderness. And yet he was meek. He had to be. He was a leader, and he has to have this ingredient in him. God chose him. Uh, Jesus even described himself as that in Matthew eleven twenty nine, as he takes people to school. This is real wisdom here that Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine: Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart learn from me. I'm gentle, humble, and you'll find rest for your souls. Well, that's how you get wisdom, isn't it? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Isn't that comforting to know that? Not some kind of an ogre-type God, you know, trying to bring us down, but He's a gentle God. You're talking about power. Did Jesus have power? My, He was gentle, gentle Jesus, but yet we realize that he also had an anger. And you can think of being at the temple when he saw how they were abusing the place of prayer, worship, and he got righteous anger, turned over tables, did powerful things, but yet he was meek. Wisdom is manifesting the power of the Word of God in every area of life. And yet being So who is wise? It's the one who has a general conduct of living. Who is one who does specific deeds and has an attitude of humility. That is a wise person. Now that's, that's a test of wisdom there. He will get more into really what wisdom is when we get into verse 17 where he says, but the wisdom from above is first. And then he goes on with that and finishes that section out. First, we will look at false wisdom or demonic wisdom. He analyzes worldly wisdom, James does. He looks at it, really goes deep into it, goes under the surface of worldly wisdom, and he's saying it has no relationship to God. The worldly wisdom is not connected with God at all. It has no obedience to God. It has no knowledge of God and His truth. So he gets in there and starts bringing it up. He says, I want to show you how bad this false wisdom is. It's rooted in, first of all, in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy, that's rooted in bitter jealousy, and then he says selfish ambition, and speaks of arrogance. Uh, In Proverbs uh, 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. God has given you a new heart. You have a new life. Those issues should be brought forth. And you keep that heart with diligence. You keep it. So, you know, he's looking into the heart of, He's looking into the motivations. People claim all sorts of kind of wisdom. They may not even necessarily be bragging about it, but that's really what the idea is. It's to bring attention to themselves. So that's a motivation for this demonic wisdom. And nobody would ever say it was uh, demonic wisdom, a worldly wisdom. Uh, So we know that... um, Jealousy, bitter jealousy, ambition drives this kind of wisdom. It's the very motive. Let's look at uh, bitter jealousy. Bitter is used of undrinkable water. Well, if you've ever drinking any really bad water or bad something, and you you spit it right out, right? Oh, it's terrible. That's awful. It's bitter. Well, that's the idea of the adjective there for. Uh, bitter jealousy. For jealousy, the Greek word is zealous. Zealos is the Greek word for jealous. It's an evil jealousy. It's the idea of a harsh, bitter, self-centeredness. And it presents a resentful attitude toward everybody. It's uh, resentful of anyone who can threaten your position who can threaten who you are because of your accomplishments. They, they, maybe they threaten your reputation. They may not even be threatening you. They don't even know they're doing that. But all of a sudden you're threatened because of somebody um, knows more than you do or they, they have something that you don't. And uh, So it's somebody who is like me that does the same thing, that has the same interest. They don't, if, you, if they're doing something you're not even interested in, they're not jealous of that, right? But if it's something that you do and you thought you did well and then somebody has an advantage over you, you start to resent that advantage that other people have. And that's where this bitter jealousy comes. Uh, it's afraid of someone becoming equal of you. You were on top of this all the time. Now somebody has come up to your level. And now take it one step further. It's from somebody who now has passed you for whatever you do. And uh, used to, you know, we'd view things looking down and now we're looking up and the jealousy can arrive. We tend to envy people who actually we can identify with, their interests. People who are like us, yet they do things better. (coughs) We can have jealousy. Bitter jealousy. Picross is the word. It's harsh. It's a harsh jealousy. Then, uh, the second motivation here for uh, uh, the world's wisdom is selfish ambition. Eretheia. Extreme selfishness. That's the idea of selfish ambition. It's all about self. And isn't that what the world is really (coughs) about? All about self. Self, self. Self this. Self that. A personal... Ambition that creates a rivalry or an antagonism, a party spirit. You know, it's again a selfism. It's just a, another way of pointing to self. Selfish ambition. You start with bitter jealousy and that creates the attitude of what? Competition and conflict are this, this selfish ambition. You think of people going up the corporate ladder. A selfish ambition. They're starting... And their whole motive is for them to get as high as they possibly can and they don't care who they knock down wherever they're headed. They could care less. Because they want to get there where somebody else is. They want to get to that. Selfish ambition. You can think of it in politics, right? This is a political year. This is an election year. And so what are the ambitions for all of these people running this? Well, if it's not because they're a Christian and they're doing it for God's glory, then what is it for? It's really about self. That's really what it comes down to. No matter what, um, they want to exalt themselves. That's, a, that's really something that we all battle with always anyway. It may not be a, self, a an ambition that we're really after, but still yet life is about us so often. and it, That's who we're trying to defeat. Who's the enemies? The world, the devil, and the flesh, self, my humanness. And so I battle against that constantly. So it's a divisive means to get oneself exalted. And as a result of this, it says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant. You will be arrogant if you have those, Right? He says, "Don't be this way." First um, Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. The Corinthians had reason to be very boastful. They were people of philosophies. Athens was very close to there, and Corinth was a huge city, um, sinful city, but uh, you had Christians there, and they are learning things from God from people like Paul. And Paul knew that, and he said he took chapter 8 and said, knowledge puffs up. <laughs> the old head gets bigger and bigger, right? The more we know, the more that we think we're better than the other person. And that's what it's all about, right? Uh, no. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have knowledge, because we know better than that. You know, we uh, talk about it all the time. We should know what we believe, and, why we believe it. We should be able to articulate that and never back down from it. But it's also to be on guard because pride can come up at any moment. And, and it rears its ugly head. And uh, it just creeps. You know, it just, it's it's creeping around and it's there ready to uh, attack. And we never know it. So, you know, if we start prating our knowledge and using it to put others in their place, uh, hey, look what I don't <laughs> you know then we've just blown all of this uh, idea of um, understanding and wisdom because that's not wisdom. Um, Anyway, it can be personal gratification at any cost. That's the goal of humanistic thinking. That's what it is. It's humanism. It's humanist sociology, humanist psychology. It's... uh, You think of all the things that the world is offering. And it lies against the truth. It says, if you have this kind of wisdom, you're lying against what is true. This is a false wisdom. This is not really true. It's not right. So it's saying, if a man is motivated by jealousy and personal ambition... He gets up and starts berating others and he proclaims how much he knows and how great he is. Nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes to really listen to that. You can pretty well detect that. Giving uh, lies to the truth. He's professing to be teaching this and at the same time he uh, is motivated by the arrogant, selfish, promoting, jealous person (laughs) that he is. Lying in the face of the truth. Lying in the face of the wisdom of God. And so we don't want to be a living lie he says don't don't do that he says so then he gets into the characteristics of false wisdom verse 15 this wisdom is not that which comes down from above it's not from heaven it's not from God but and then he gives it three characteristics it's earthly it's natural it's demonic. So, let's take it back. What do we mean by wisdom? Because that's really what the whole thing is about. Remember, it's lifestyle. It's having the kind of thinking that God thinks and, and that he gets to us and that we're able to, to live it out. And it does... That That kind of false wisdom is the other way around and it is not humble and it is, first of all, earthly. It's earth-bound. It can't get any further than earth. It's of the dust. It's of the dirt. It's of this earth. Um, it's limited to time and space. It can't go any further. It's not eternal. That's how he's describing it here. It falls under the curse. The curse that man caused to everything. Not only himself, but what? The whole earth. Everything was cursed. And so the, the earth was cursed uh, when man fell. It's the fallen, corrupted system of the material world that we live in. And it's finite. It's not infinite. It's not eternal. And it stops right here. Uh, you know, he's nice as he starts off with this first one. He just says it's just earthly. You know, it's as far as it gets. Uh, it, uh, earthly wisdom. And earthly wisdom cannot understand spiritual things. Cannot, it will not, it cannot. Uh, everything is skewed. It starts off with some pretty good knowledge. It's you know, wow, that's really cool, that's that's great. But as it goes further into what real truth does and expands out, it's it's just skewed. It's marred because everything has been defaced. It's been defaced in nature. We were defaced. I mean, we're still here. We still exist. Our thinking was defaced, marred, but not totally destroyed. Matter of fact, man still has an amazing mind. And the things that he comes up with, the technology that we have today, it's incredible. And God allows that. Matter of fact, it can be used for good. But if the motivation does not come from God and they don't acknowledge that, then where's it going to take it ultimately? It's earthly. It can't get any further. This is it. And that is uh, earthbound. It doesn't come from God. The second one he uses is natural. It's not, which comes from above, but it's earthly. It's natural. Uh, the, you can think of uh, the nature of man. The word here is suke, it's the fallen, unredeemed man. It's the fleshly humanness of us without God. That fleshly humanness. It's not a God. It's the sensual part of mankind. It's the nature of man from man's unsanctified heart and from his unredeemed spirit. Without without God, this is the best that he can get. This human wisdom that's earthly, that's natural he comprehends man's problems he thinks he understands he can tell you what is the answer to things that only god can see in the heart the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it only god can right so when we look at that realm or whether it be through higher education there's only so much we can get out we we need it to to learn but it's still it's so tainted we have to be careful. Test everything. We we want to get educated. You know, you can go to sources and see where it's at, but realize that how far can it go if if it's not of of God ultimately? We can learn things about God's truth here and and nature and all the things that are out there. That that is God allowing us to learn it through education. So I I say don't throw away education; it would be foolish. But remember, if it's coming from an angle that now. Use what God had originally wanted us to understand that's the route it's going to go. It starts good, but what how's it going to end well, it's it, it's just natural it's, man's solutions mankind has the solutions, and they come up with uh, global warming. you know, boy, they could really say that now, look, we got floods you know happening, and people are here not not here today because really literally it's it's flooding. <laughs> We have uh, actually it's affected three families that would ordinarily be here, uh, or, or individuals, and, and so you know you know they'll I can care, I can tell you every time there's there's warmth if that comes up in December that we've had they'll say ah see global warming man man has the answers boy you know they'll come up with the most foolish things you know they'll, and at the same time within a few days all of a sudden you can have below freezing. And ice starts happening, and snow, and you you ask, well, where does that come from? You know, global warming, right? Oh, my. And then it can go for months at a time. And, uh, you know, it's always done this kind of thing. But man has an answer. He'll give you the answer. And uh, the answer that we had coming from the one who was our president about seven years ago was change. Change, change. I will bring change. That's the answer to our problems. Change. Yeah. Doesn't work, does it? They don't say that the universe is The whole universe is doing it. So, the God that they don't believe that there is a God, then, you know, he doesn't have control because he's not here. So, therefore, We must do this. This is part of the evolutionary process. As the universe is going to burn up, we must do something. Let's all get together. All of mankind, let's meet together at a summit. Let's represent the people and let's make decisions that will change our lives. (laughs) They have the wisdom. Oh, the wisdom. Severely skewed, isn't it? Douglas Moore said it has to do with that part of man where human feeling and human reason reign supreme. That's pretty well said, isn't it? Human feelings and human reasoning is supreme. God is not. We sing the songs about God being sovereign, God being controlled, God being the king, right? The king of our lives, the king of our hearts. And it's really all about humans reigning supreme. 1 Corinthians 2.14 I think explains it very well. Because everything ultimately is going to go to the spiritual. It, it leads that way. Because it, all roads are to lead to God in our thinking, right? 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they're foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. Natural man cannot, it's impossible to understand anything spiritually. may think he understands some things, but if he is not truly born again, and he is of that natural man, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, talks about the depravity of man, we uh, realize that um, that's all he can do until God comes in supernaturally and wakes us up, this is the way it's going to go. Is God surprised at man's wisdom? It's absolute foolishness. As he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul came into Corinth after he'd been to Athens. He asked the same question that James asked. Where's the wise man? Hey, where is the scribe? You know, your greatest thinkers, the the, the writers. Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It's through the gospel. The foolishness, quotes, of the gospel. Here the the world. He says, show me the wise man. James says, show me a wise man. You think you're wise, huh? Okay. God says, where's the wise man through Paul? Where's the debater? Where are your philosophers? Let's see. Let's see how far their wisdom can go. Absolute devoid of God's spirit. Preoccupied with bodily pleasure Never with spiritual things. Not the spiritual things of God. So we see that the characteristics of this kind of wisdom is earthly. Earthbound. It's natural. That's how we're born. Depraved. And then the next one. He says, okay, I'm going to say it. It's demonic. (laughs) Wow! I mean, this thing has really progressed here. Now he's taken. He says all of that kind of wisdom that's coming out of the world, every bit of it, every ounce, every little detail that they have that comes from them, it is, it's demonic. Right. It's the, world system. the world system. It's exactly what it is. It's demonic. World, the flesh, and the devil. Thank the Lord, we have uh, new hearts. We are people who have new minds. We can think. And whenever the demonic kind of thoughts that can come up, we may not recognize it as demonic, but if it's coming from the world and it's not honoring God, it's demonic. And, you know, he said that human wisdom, though it's all that man can spawn out of his own mind, it's locked into this earthly realm the very existence this man has cannot get anything more than that unless God opens up truth in his mind. And um, so the wisdom that he has, which certain things there are incredible, believe me, the devil well, is much smarter than any man can be. Uh, it's a devilish wisdom, but um, he generates The worldly wisdom. He's the one doing this. The ultimate root of evil comes from where? Satan. Satan blinds the minds of the unbeliever. Remember that passage? Demons have been made captive to the same kind of evil. They're in that... And they are here to invade the system of man and influence them. That's what demons do they can do it so quietly. They don't do it loudly, and even to Christians you know we we still battle the devil, right, and he can come in so soft ways that's hard to recognize sometimes, and he influences mankind and even Christians he can influence It's just what Paul said in writing to Timothy said that false teachers they take a uh, teaching of false doctrine, and they're really generated from demons. They, they're seducing spirits, and that's why people fall into that trap. go all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verse five. you have Adam and Eve, we have the fall of man, um, the, the temptation that Satan had. It says in verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will know about what I know to be wisdom. That's really what, yeah, they, they got into a realm that they didn't need to be. They could have remained innocent. And of course, when she saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a light to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one, why does it look so good? It seems so right. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the fall of man, the fall of the universe, the fall of this earth happened, and everything was affected. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so, since then, Satan has invaded this, world into this world system we battle it constantly. The only difference between us now and when we were four Christians, we didn't understand that there was a demonic realm out there. I mean some people can be unbelievers and believe in devils and stuff. They usually don't or they have they're the ghosts and such, or they aliens. They might give it different terms. Um but in Second Corinthians eleven three, kind of shows how the enemy works. Paul is really concerned about that, especially in Corinth. We already addressed uh, the deal about wisdom and or the knowledge and puffing up. Now he says, "But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, oh, very crafty, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ." For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. He tells that here is quite the enemy. Be really careful. He works that way. We'll, uh, advance to verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They're even coming in the name of Christ, having the truth of Christ. They're apostles, are sent straight from God. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants, that's the demons of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. All the people that come, the servants, their false teachers and such from the demonic realm. You go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Much is to be said about this, isn't it? But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, this is an apostasy, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Demonic. Demonic. The wisdom of the world proceeds from evil spirits. (laughs) Ultimately, that's where it's at. Proceeds from fallen angels. Well, they knew what truth and wisdom was at one time. It proceeds from Satan and all of his agents who are disguised as ministers of light. And man, they can be tricky. Man is so smart. Man is so wicked. You take that combination of, of the intelligence that man has along with wickedness. He takes his cue from Satan, really, and the demonic realm and look at the damage that can be done and explain what's happening in our world today. We have a whole civilization of people who are locked up with human wisdom. They solve their problems. It's an absolute farce. You know, you can turn on uh, shows like Entertainment Tonight and sometimes it's just kind of funny to watch what's going on. Britney Spears, you know, you know that kind of story. The, the Paris Hiltons. Um, Charlie Sheen now, you know, all the, the things that he's coming up with. It's it's amazing. The world doesn't know how to handle this. You know, what do they do with these? These are the ones that they spawned. These are, they're telling on themselves. This is what Hollywood did themselves. They take little kid actors. And look what they develop them into. It happens every time. And uh, what is it? Uh... Molly, uh, Molly Ray Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. I think of Billy Ray Cyrus, right? <laughs> uh, you knew exactly that was going to happen. A sweet little innocent girl, and the next thing you know, boom, look what... you know, And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And they give them this wisdom, and they just destroy themselves. It's demonic. It's absolute demonism that the world is using to sob. The feelings of man, well, what they're using, it's absolutely hopeless. Um, the world can't answer. So, this is the wisdom that characterizes this world. It's earthly, it's fleshly, it's demonic. That's what's going on. And the results are this. Verse 16. Now, it goes back to where we started back up in, well, verse 14. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist. Okay. So he's using those same ones. He's going to tie this together. He says, what happens when you have this kind of wisdom being used and there's jealousy, there's self-ambition, it's all coming and it's from self, there is disorder in every evil thing. Disorder. Disorder. Disorder is instability uh, Akastasia. I can't stand it's chaos, it's confusion. Uh this appears back in James chapter one, verse eight. You might remember this one. Uh, being a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double mindedness. Disorder. That's the thought. Look in first Corinthians chapter four. I believe it is chapter 14 verse 33 1 Corinthians 14 for God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints God is a God of what? peace he is not a God of confusion or disorder here's what's happening right before our eyes in this world. A proud, self-seeking, self-serving, self-indulgent generation destroys intimacy that people have because the, the pride, the jealousy, the um, selfish ambition, it destroys fellowship, it brings discord and chaos. We're seeing it happen all over the world, right? That's what's about. That's why we have angerness, anger and bitterness and lawsuits and divorces and people unable to get along with each other it's it's uh, i think it's a legacy that earthly wisdom has left us and uh, so it's confusion it's destruction it's chaos it's devastation deviating from what truth is it's division there is really no ability to love no intimacy uh, no fellowship no peace it uh, brings this kind of or uh, disorder and things tend to go from worse to worse to worse. It just kind of keeps building up. And he ends this section where he says, There is disorder and every evil thing. Thalos. Worthless. Every worthless thing. Vile. Every vile thing. Contemptible. Every contemptible thing. R.C. Trench, who is a master of Greek words... Uh, says this it contemplates evil not from the aspect of its active or passive malignity but rather from its good for nothingness <laughs> the utter impossibility of any true gain ever coming from it so out of human wisdom comes what disorder chaos confusion absolutely no good at all that's that's the idea of phalos every evil thing the word thing comes from the greek word pragma For the pragmatism, we get our word from that uh, in the English, it it produces absolutely nothing pragmatically of any value. At best, it produces worthless. Worthless things. At the worst, it produces what kind of things? Vile things or evil things. But even if it doesn't seem like it's vile, it's still yet worthless. (laughs) Every evil thing. So, James started with this. Who's wise? Okay, show it. Then when a person claims to know Jesus Christ, they know salvation, but if one's heart is filled with evil motives, selfish pride, and approaches life from the earthly side, the sensual dominates his life, and Really, the, the demonic is really the product of this kind of life. He's saying, hey, yeah, okay, this is what this is showing. This is not lining up with what God's wisdom is, which he'll explain in the next couple of verses. But it, it, it says this kind of life is going to bring discord. It's going to bring a chaos, a disorder, a confusion. It's not going to have of anything of value whatsoever. And it's going to have plenty of evil. So it's not the wisdom of God. And then what are they doing? Well, it said in verse 1, they're lying against the truth. Right? What obviously is the truth, it's all that God has given. God has given us a lot of things, and it's amazing. He, he uses uh, even lost people to serve the people in the world. And so therefore, it's it's not like that's, that's useless in that sense, but As for eternity, if you talk about earthly, the the things that those servants of us, if they don't know Christ, then it leads to the fleshly and uh, the the demonic. And there's nothing good that comes out of that. Thank the Lord that God is in control and uh, He wants us to put wisdom on display as He puts His Word into us, gives us the power to live it by the Holy Spirit, then we let Him, as we humbly bow down to His sovereignty and His majesty, we are submitting to Him. And I will guarantee you, wisdom comes out of your life when that happens. It means being filled with the Spirit, which means exhibiting God's wisdom. It's Him. We have nothing to brag about, but it's Him going through us. Can you imagine Him using us as a tool I only wish we could uh, finish on the note of true wisdom. And that's really what I wanted to do. And then the more I looked, I go, we don't have time. We can't do it. (laughs) Uh, So I leave us hanging on that one. Realizing that if you're a Christian, you have all the wisdom that you'll ever need. Keep seeking it. It doesn't, doesn't end, doesn't. It's eternal. And it is for good. And we do have hope. And so we can use the things of this world as tools, as instruments, and use them righteously. And yet, the lost world will use those same tools and use it unrighteously. And Satan is a happy being when he has just deceived people into serving him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth about who you are and the truth of what goes on in the world and we know that it leads to a demonic wisdom. And Lord, help us to defeat any kind of thing that would come to our way of thinking. We, it's all about our minds. And help us to feed ourselves with your holy word. So that when things of the world come flying at us, we can detect that. We know there are things there that you are still, you're using. And, that, and that's, that's good but that we always be watchful and careful and use the wisdom when we know whenever it's time to shift gears. Thank you for that wisdom that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.